an archaeological dig site unearths and angers an ancient entity. And the only thing that can save the 1970 Japan World Expo is one giant guardian turtle. This is Kaiju versus History, Gamera versus Jiger. everyone to kaiju versus history this is your submarine mechanic miles and joining me is of course a pair of punk kids patrick and patrick <laughs> patrick how you doing i'm half american and half japanese <laughs> i'm both at the same time that that has become the thing of this franchise is you always have two kids i mean one american and one japanese <laughs> it's it's genius i mean it's it's what a lot of big blockbusters are are doing now is like you know making them very multinational for the international market and they were doing it way back in 1960s no i mean especially for localizing it, it into the states this is a perfect idea yeah i and, i'm kind of surprised it took them this long to do this well and you know of course the spaghetti westerns did that as well with italian filmmakers they would mm-hmm. have a a wide cast of character or actors from all over the world but they would also have them speak their lines in their native language so they would only have to for each edition dub a certain amount <laughs> so that not yeah, something they um, did here but the, 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 well the italian film market's a wild story because sometimes <laughs> they would they would film the same scenes twice once in english and once in italian yeah can you imagine just shooting a movie like three times it, it sounds like literal hell <laughs> um <laughs> to be to be perfectly honest that's not what happens here uh let's say is that our segue speaking of literal <laughs> no 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 because this this is a, a a perfectly fine entry into the the show a gamera series and oh, not not just off. yeah yeah it's kicking off three. what Oh, yeah. Oh, baby. Oh, here we go. In the, in the 1970s. 70s. The, what do they call it? Do they, not the golden age of cinema. They called it something else. Or it like is, the big boom of like uh, mm. Veritas cinema in the 70s. It is not my favorite decade for, for film. It's not <laughs> uh, mine either. Like I've gone for back. Like, you maybe, but. There, there's there are certainly some fun kaiju movies, but like just speaking in general, I know like several classics come from this decade and it's a decade mm-hmm. that i've warmed up to as i've gotten older like rediscovering the, the, the disaster film boom of of the decade right but yeah it's it, the 70s have never been my thing i know i'm a child of the 80s and the 90s but like just the vibe of a lot of the the 70s stuff just was never my thing well, so <laughs> for, for this podcast i need you to prepare yourself now for a top-loaded Godzilla experience. There's a lot of Godzilla films in the first mm-hmm. half of the 1970s and the second half. It's a lot of King Kong inspired yeah, <laughs> films. I know they giant exist. Eight. I've been dreading this. I Again, this is why I'm going to have my revenge in the 90s because we're going to watch some really silly movies that probably shouldn't be considered kaiju films, but I'm going to twist it because I have to watch this crap. Um... <laughs> I mean, look, I, it's it's established my feelings on giant eight movies. <laughs> like, but I'm I'm happy. I'm happy we're starting off with Gamera. Yeah, um, back to Gamera, back to because, the big turtle. 
Tamra always kind of feels like the underdog franchise. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I know he's in, in Japan pretty popular and he's an iconic figure, but it always seems in popularity he's, you know, still not able to kind of outdo the big G. Yeah, I don't know. I think this is the year, though, because the last Godzilla movie is, you know, all monsters attack in 1969. And I feel like this one was seen much more favorably at the time, like in Japan. This had already started what Godzilla is going to eventually move to start copying, which is those championship style festival films, big spectacle films specifically for like the action, the adventure and marketed towards kids. This is obviously a a children's entry as well. It's interesting because, I mean, there are certainly have been Godzilla versus films in this franchise, Mm -hmm. but it's really Gamera who has since the second one continually been Gamera versus blank. And Godzilla, I mean, you have, you know, Godzilla versus or Mothra versus Godzilla, King Kong versus Godzilla. But for the most part, they're they're individually made films, you know, Ghidorah the Three-Headed Monster, Invasion of Astro Monster, Destroy All Monsters. It's not until we start getting into the 70s and then onwards almost entirely that you get the Godzilla verses that like I grew up thinking, oh, that's that's what mm-hmm. this is. That This is the franchise Godzilla versus whatever creature. Well, and- some, some of the American titles definitely bled into that because you might have heard of Godzilla versus the sea monster first. If you watched uh, Not, old uh, dubs Ebra of... <laughs> horror of the deep. Yes. Yes. But yeah, no, this is our fourth camera film. No fifth camera film with a versus title. And this is 1970s camera versus Jiger. And uh, yeah, on, uh, on, on the subject of titles, Patrick, what's in the title for this one? The literal Japanese title is Gamera Tai Daimaju Ekusu, Gamera versus a giant demon beast. And then originally it was giant demon beast X, and they eventually settled on the name Jiger or Jiger in the Japanese. That first script was put forth by Nissan Takahashi and had more fantastic elements, probably stolen or borrowed from Ashiro Honda giant kaiju movies. The ancient monster was supposed to come from the lost continent of Mu, uh, uh, an idea that we talked about a lot here. Mm-hmm. And there might have been more occult elements with Jiger around this cursed statue, like why it wasn't moved. Maybe the the inhabitants of the island would have had more to do with it. In the U.S., this is known as Gamera versus Monster X. This is one of the few that didn't get a I don't believe this got a Sandy Frank dubbing, but this was. Not released in theaters in the U.S. Came out on television. AIT, I guess, brought it over AIP. This is one of the first Gamera films that in Western Germany got a Frankenstein-inspired title. One one day we're going to have to do a deep dive onto (laughs) why Frankenstein dominates. I mean, I I understand. Frankenstein's Frankenstein's where it's at. But here's the thing. It's like Frankenstein is not even like Mary Shelley wasn't German. (laughs) <laughs> yeah well that's a good point <laughs> like so i i, I really i would love we might have to do a special edition and like we, we might have to read some books and like I deep think, dive into, into i think like, the doctor was the thing the doctor was german frankenstein was german sure um, but like 
it was called Gamera Against Jigar. Frankenstein Demon Threatens the World. And <laughs> the the Italian title, King Kong Le Imperio del Draghi, The Empire of Dragons, King Kong. Kin Kong, I guess, is is the, the He's the kin here. of Kong. <laughs> yeah, it, it's just so funny. Even though it's eternal. They, they they could not sell this overseas very well. Yeah, it's a moment because I mean Gamera as a character just seems to have so much like whimsical personality. Like I I really and truly love Gamera. I think Gamera is wonderful, yeah. despite the limitations of the productions. Um, I I just I think that <laughs> Gamera movies have a certain whimsy to them that. I think because they're not the Godzilla franchise, they are easy to settle into that better. Yep. I know Godzilla movies, you know, are especially at this time are trying to appeal more to a younger audience. And obviously because Godzilla is so iconic, it's easy for kids to flock to those movies. But I will say, even though I enjoyed All Monsters Attack more than most seem to, there is still a specific tonal charm that the Gamera movies seem to get that Godzilla at this point hasn't quite hit yet. Yeah, yeah, and it's so funny because they are the bigger budgets for the most part that Godzilla films, but yeah, this feels like the 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 scrappy underdog that is probably garnering more more children's eyes, uh, more attention from the the audience even though we'll talk about the plot here, it's fairly formulaic story we've probably heard a few times we mentioned we have a new duo of young boys who don't start the film together they start kind of separately and we have uh, hiroshi a japanese boy and his american counterpart tommy or i don't know if he's supposed to be american but he's he's english you know speaking uh from from the western world so yeah if it's not broke miles why change that formula? It's done so well the last three movies. Here's the thing. Two movies. Here's the thing. Is it though? Because I will have the same complaint with this movie as I did the last. <laughs> because ever since Gamma versus Viros, they have not been able to give us a duo of kids as charismatic and actual characters. Yeah, I don't know. I've, I've enjoyed. Like, I, I like I like Hiroshi. I think Hiroshi's fine. He's he's good as, say, as, yeah. as taking the lead. Tommy is there for the ride. Well, they're I not. Mean, he, that guy's not an actor. Probably he's probably just the the son of. Oh, no, and that character is <laughs> not a character. He US. is window dressing. Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I was about to say. I think all the Japanese kid actors have done great, and the the Americans just okay. You know, Again, not, not their first. Gamma versus maybe. Virus, like that film. Those two kids were both extremely charismatic, extremely fun. The characters were goofy and well written. And I, I gotta say, like there there is not a duo of kids. I love the the conceit. I love the formula. Mm. I just don't think they have found a duo of kids that have worked as well as Gamma versus Virus. And that's that's still true here because those two kids ruled and should have given a better score than if you loved it so much versus Vyra. I thought I gave that a pretty decent score. Give it an eight. Yeah, I mean, eight's fine. The movie deserved an eight, but those kids ruled. Yeah, (laughs) I agree with you there. Tommy's father in this film is an archaeologist. They are. we, We find them removing an ancient idol from from the earth 
on Wester Island, <laughs> which is, of course, a, a reference to Easter Island, which is not uh, really how that works. But <laughs> no, it's taking not. It's not. this idol to the 1970 Japanese World Exposition, kind of a World's Fair that Hiroshi got a tour of, which is the, the biggest commercial I think I've I, ever seen in a film. <laughs> I have to say I am a sucker, an absolute sucker. For a World's Fair concept, well, it's like, so it's so fun and it was it was timed so right. well, and it was probably indeed there was a lot of kickback for including this in in this film because it was a straight advertisement. This movie came out in, I believe, March of 1970, and the the fair, the expo, was opening. I want to say in June, so in like Why a don't couple we months. Have World's Fair anymore. I mean, they're very expensive. Um, I don't care. <laughs> we have rich people. Yeah. No, and, and so instead of buying Twitter, why don't you give us a World's Fair? <laughs> yeah, give us some real cool stuff. I mean, yeah, we, we've like, we've replaced them with like permanent amusement parks for the most part. Probably. I mean, I, I I understand that those exist, but there is there is always something weirdly mythical about World's Fairs to me. Mm-hmm. And I mean, part of it is because I've never got to experience one. And on the More You Nerd podcast that Drew and I did, we were both talking about, you know, Batman Mask the Phantasm recently and how they have a little Gotham World's Fair in that. And I I think it's always just been a point of fascination for me. I mean, I've I've read like Devil in White City, which is a uh-huh. not only a great book on like the murders of H.H. H. Holmes, but honestly a phenomenal biography about how the world's fair came to be and i've just always thought that that kind of stuff was the absolute coolest so seeing like the japanese equivalent like legitimately got me really excited i wanted to see more of the world's fair actually yeah i i grew up on long island like 10 minutes five minutes away from from the one that happened in the 60s there Mm. and um that was featured in Men in Black, the first Men in Black movie, those those saucers that they erected, and they would yeah, do yeah, yeah. S- stuff there. But yeah, that for the most part, everything was was torn down. You get a great experience of you know this movie is definitely a little time capsule of that fair, which is nice. Even though they don't show it while it is like open, they like show all the architecture and some of the the features, including a, a very famous s- s- statue that's on it. Um, but yeah, when the they get there and they're taking the statue out here on on the island, the, the crew is it's scared off because Gamera seems to be trying to stop them in like a a very similar kind of fake out. It's like, oh no, Gamera can't be doing this. He's he's a friend. He's a friend of everyone. But he's Why, also just he... like flying back and forth like a concerned parent. He's like, <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> no, don't touch that statue. And yeah, that that sets jiger out and we have one of our first of many fights between the two and in that fight jiger uses spikes to immobilize gamera in a, in a pretty ingenious way and then they he gets unstuck they they fight again and gamera gets beaten again and paralyzed and that's when tommy and hiroshi have to take it upon themselves the 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 adults aren't doing anything here so they 
hijack a submarine. I and so go into again, the camera's wound. Which I I'm assuming that they have this submarine from the prior movies because it's the exact <laughs> same looking submarine. Oh, I'm I'm absolutely certain it's the same one that's from versus Viros and I was it in Gyron as well? I forget. <sighs> feel like it had to have been yeah. to journey in, into the center of of gamera but it's a, it's a great idea but it's like i don't think that the scale really works no the scale doesn't work at all <laughs> gamera gets I, really big or yeah um, but this movie also submarine. starts off with like i feel like the first instance that we've seen thus far in in this genre of fourth wall breaking uh-huh. because the dad who talks about the daughter and the the guy who works for the World's Fair or whatever, mm-hmm. being involved, turns the camera and says, called it. <laughs> like, towards uh, the beginning of the movie. And I was like, did he just break the fourth wall to make a joke about his daughter going on a date? Um, <laughs> Maybe he's, he's supposed to be like talking to himself. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. He looks directly at the camera. <laughs> like, I specifically had to make a note about it because he looks at the camera, smiles and says, told you so. I mean, um, the, it, that follows the the path of these movies becoming more and more playful. Mm-hmm. Um, and director Noriaka, Noriaki Yuasa, indeed, <laughs> making these more and more of a giant carnival ride for for kids, and uh, a lot of that it, is it definitely has the adults that, being it, very comedic in in general. It does have a carnival ride vibe which which also veers with the kind of theme of this movie and which is why some of it kind of kind of bums me out because this movie does seem to have a pacing issue and i feel like any Mm -hmm. any gamer movie that has an issue there's a weird issue with its pacing and because this one actually starts out with some battles pretty quickly Mm -hmm. doesn't take long for gamera and jiger to, to to get down although I gotta say, when Gamera is like causing a ruckus, like, hey, don't do this statue business, <laughs> and they start shooting him, and he seems to be affected by their rifles. <laughs> yeah, it's very detailed uh, there. <laughs> that that's the kind of cartoon logic where I'm like, oh, come on, guys! Like these pea shooters aren't going to do anything to 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 Lil G. But uh, I I want to talk a little bit about the the adversary in this movie because Jagger. I th- yeah, I think I think he's. I think he's conceptually interesting. I think he is visually a little lacking. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, I would. He kind of reminded me of Baragon, but like not as. There's weird. a lot of, lot of similarities with Baragon and I jumped to that area in my notes because, oh, I didn't put the picture in there, but there were a lot of design elements, early design elements, very much like Gyron before it. That had him starting out, or her, I should say, Jiger is a, a she, starting out more amphibian or fish-like, but yeah, eventually just kind of turned into a brown horned lizard look. A little generic, I would say, for for kaiju. There's kaiju before and after that would have this quadrupedal horned look about them. You know, yeah, there, there's some the way like the, the face first pops up. I'm like, oh, that's a choice. And <laughs> it just it, it looks like a face that kind of has a tiny body with it. Like it's there, there's not a lot of personality. there, Right, right. And although I think there are some interesting concepts with the creature, I do wish that they had gone a little wilder in 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 the route. 
there, there's one that looks almost like a hammerhead shark that I really wish they had gone with. Yeah, well, that that like I said, they they were going for a couple of different aquatic looks, but uh, I mean, Jagger comes out of the earth, <laughs> so I think that what they settled on might have been maybe more thematically appropriate because we already had like a a squid like alien, and spoiler warnings for the next movie, we're going to have another. Finally, a aquatic monster. So this one kind of being like the rock or earth guardian and maybe making a little bit more thematic sense than whatever powers Baragon had. But yeah, comes out of of the ground, I think very similar to Baragon and has a host of weird powers. Maybe not as as weird as that (laughs) first camera villain, but um, I mean, similar still weird. Like you you shoot a spike and then you impregnate Gamera with a baby that dies inside Gamera. Yeah, I think the original idea was to have a different mm, suit or model like existentially. That's 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 a lot. (laughs) For the spore, but yeah, the fact that it's just a little Jagger, it's the same suit, but on a human scale was a budget concern they, they probably had to go to. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit more about the, the expo because I've, I've added a picture into our, our notes here. Yeah. And uh, if, if I could have time travel, I would just want to go to this. This looks amazing. But yeah, it's, it seems a lot more colorful in the photo than what we got to see in the the architecture well, from the film. That that doesn't surprise me. I'm sure what we got was like mostly like a, a actual film set with some location shots that happened to pop by. Uh, yeah, no, but this I, I was incorrect. The, the the fair started in March, so it had already started when this film came out, and it continued on until. September, which is which is crazy, but yeah, they they usually do the entire entire summer for for these things, and this is a bit of the the spring too. They would use this as the backdrop for some television shows. Common Rider had an episode here, as well as some other mangas and animes at the time used it as a a setting. The Tower of the Sun that we get to see highlighted in this film was a monster mecha in the hakaiju series from about 10 years ago i i i I tried to read it as prep for this it is wild it is a (laughs) crazy series but yeah that statue like comes to life in kind of a evangelion like way and, and and fights some monsters not something they can do in this movie because if you notice while the last fight kind of takes place at the expo None of the cool models that they built or or showed off were destroyed in the fight, and apparently that was a a mandate for for using the the expo as a uh, which a, a that's site. a huge bummer because if you're and I get these companies get like really squeamish about this sort of thing, but like part of the joy of having a brand or some sort of expo is if, especially if you're in a monster movie to see it get destroyed i mean how how cool would have been if they just picked up the tower of the sun statue and then just like use that as a weapon yeah if if i actively saw the the expo getting like monster mashed this would have been a 10 a 10 a hundred percent yeah they at one point they use other buildings that are like around it or outline gamera (laughs) very hilariously 
shoves like some radio antennas in, into his ears <laughs> to yeah to stop a sonic attack from from Jiger. But yeah, I would have liked to have seen more of the expo. It seems like that what's what they were building up to. But I I just I've never understood the squeamishness that studios have. I I don't think a lot of these these brands generally understand the audience of movies using these products for product placement. I, I famously remember Starbucks pulling out of Zack Snyder's Dawn of the Dead because, oh, they thought it would be bad for their image if there was a Starbucks logo that had blood splattered across it. <laughs> and I'm like, if you had a Starbucks logo in that movie, it would have been memefied. People would have shared it a million times and likely would have done more advertising than Starbucks ever does. Yeah, no, it's just, just how those big wigs, those executives kind of think is can have anything kind of negative or, or dark associated with it, which is pretty wild because I feel like I that mean, would I, be I think, I think some people have embraced it because, uh, it, well, probably not a movie we are going to do, even though I, I could argue, and oh maybe boy. I will, that it's a kaiju film. In the 19 or 2017 Power Rangers movie, Krispy Kreme went all in on getting <laughs> Krispy Kreme totally was smashed. Fine with it. Well, <laughs> they're like, they like, "F me up, Daddy." <laughs> it was it was just a weird amount of advertising. It's like <laughs> it was a, a a part of the plot as well. It's like, yeah, where it's did like, he take me to the Krispy Kreme? And I'm like, I love yeah, everything that is happening right now, and. It worked well for Krispy Kreme because not so much for the Power Rangers movie. We don't have a sequel. <laughs> well, that's a whole other conversation that we ended up covering it. We will have that conversation. That'll be our first um, two and a half hour episode. But yeah, it's 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 wild to me because if you're going to have the World's Fair or a World's Fair in a kaiju film, the entire conceit should be how does does this World's Fair get destroyed? Like it, it just it, it boggles my mind. It's just like People will complain that any monster movie that takes place in New York has to destroy the Statue of Liberty. And I'm like, yeah, you better. <laughs> if, uh, if you don't, yeah. then you didn't do it right. <laughs> the the w- One of the next expos, I'm just Googling expos now that is coming up, is in Osaka in 2025. And I got to share with you the the image for the the logo it it looks kaiju inspired it's, I, I don't know how to describe it. it looks like a wreath with a bunch of eyeballs on it <laughs> um, it, it, it certainly looks like something but that's awesome like i i'm glad someone's still doing these kind of giant expos because i mean yeah i i mean obviously there there are still like expos like big conventions and stuff but like something on the on the grounds of a world's fair that i i just don't think we do that kind of thing anymore and i i I think we should because yeah, there I, there is a weird optimism to these things that I think that we desperately need. <laughs> yeah, and also I think it's it's nice just to see what countries are cooking up, you know, what they're they're working on and what they like to share with the world like I mean there's all kinds of things that uh, mm-hmm. you may not know about and it's fun. Yeah, I I would I would love for us to have our 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 own world's fair um maybe 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 I'll try to get to Osaka in 2025. Maybe not. We'll see. <laughs> well, it's so funny. I was trying to get to Japan in 2024 for an anniversary, but I might maybe push that to I, I one push year. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> the the other thing I wanted to point out about Expo 1970 is it is technically one of the only times and places that Godzilla 
and Gamera have fought <laughs> or been on shared a stage at the very least. Because okay, I was going to say I have some fan fiction. I disagree, sir. That, that is the <laughs> where the stage show for Godzilla versus Gamera was shown. I think it was supposed to be originally three shows for ten nights, and they scaled it back. But it had some of the the actual suit actors. Haru Nakajima was Godzilla performing in these these live stage shows. They had, I believe, three Toho monsters, three Daie, and of course the two big G's, as well as uh, Jiger was there. So they're promoting the new movie Space Gauss because they, I'm sure they only had the one costume, and then <laughs> the previous year they had spray painted it silver. Right. And then from Toho, Gorosaurus, which is an interesting choice. I guess he can't really do any like flying. It sounds, it sounds like a budgetary well. choice. Like, um, we don't want to use, we don't want to mess up the other creatures. So, uh, yeah, just send him Gorosaurus and uh, uh, the baby. Manila, Manila yeah. was the other. Yeah. Oh boy, yeah. These, these are these are things sure we can afford popular. to lose. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. And uh, Manila was in like the last three Godzilla movies, so I got to imagine that's a more topical choice. I don't think choice. it's seen again. In these, I don't think so. I no, think, I think that's it for Manila in the Showa era, and Gorosaurus surely does not. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. We'll see some other kaiju show up in the 1970s. But yeah, they're uh, unfortunately almost nothing of this show was recorded. There are some advertisements and a few grainy home videos and pictures and things, but none of them actually showing Godzilla and Gamera like fighting on the, the stage. There's some Godzilla versus Gamera or Godzilla versus Gorosaurus, I should say, footage and things like that, and descriptions of what happened. But yes, this is, if if you, I think if you search Godzilla versus Gamera, this is like one of the, the few things that comes up in your, your Google searches. Um, We already talked a bit about the, the Pseudimation and some of the cast. I mean, I, I don't know if it's even worth mentioning any of the other, adult actors in this film they are very much nope. background characters <laughs> franz gruber an american actor plays dr williams tommy's father and i'm always surprised at how much he kind of looks like that kind of character very professorial <laughs> in the in the role but yeah th- he does and he is actually in my favorite 70s disaster movie, The Submersion of Japan, a.k.a. Japan Sinks yep. from 1972. I was about to say that just comes out in a couple years after this. He was tapped for a lot of productions, just like the Toho actors that spoke English. They would reuse them for, for multiple multiple series and films. And yeah, I think we've already talked a, a bit how similar this movie is to versus Baragon with, you know, civilization coming to an, an isolated island and disrupting things, causing this kaiju to attack, which is funny because I think they, I feel like they're very pleased with versus Baragon. So I don't know why they, and maybe for budgetary reasons, <laughs> didn't get much more creative with this script. I will say it does feel different from the last two movies because there's not really any aliens or anything like that involved. Yeah. This, this is more of a classical fantasy adventure. Uh, do you have any favorite scenes in the in the movie models? I mean, 
there are a lot of scenes that I think that are objectively funny. I think that the the battle scenes with the monsters are pretty good. They're not the best. Uh-huh. You know, I mean, they're, they're pretty confident. There's some really fun turtle stuff that Gamera does that I, <laughs> him, him getting out of being essentially crucified. Oh, uh, boy. It's, was, it's great. It was pretty, pretty memorable. I, honestly, that's probably my favorite scene just because I, that turtle's working. And <laughs> yeah, so he gets flipped on his back after spikes are driven through his appendages, which means he can't retract them into his shell. Which is hilarious because that's how, you know, we <laughs> everyone in the first camera movie thought they had beaten the turtle. It's like, oh, he flipped them on his back. There's no way this huge magical turtle can somehow ride itself. But of course, he can't when he can't turn the jets on and, and fly away. So, yeah, that, that was a great movie. Very cool callback to that 1965 original camera film but he he is able to do it eventually and gets out and it's very kind of a heroic moment for <laughs> for the the turtle who's very much the hero of this movie i th- i think this movie delivers on a lot of the kaiju action i feel like as much as i like versus gyron there there is a focus on those kids in that kind of story where, you know, Gamera doesn't get to the planet until like the 30 minute mark or something like that right. in, the, in that film. This movie, yeah, he's right off the bat. He is there. He is interacting with the, the kids. And I, I think that, I mean, for what people are paying their ticket admission price for, I think they, they gave it to the audience, they gave them exactly what they, they wanted. This came out on a double bill with a film called The Invisible Swordsman, and as I said, never released in the U.S. So we're we're getting to the point where I don't think a lot of these films get American releases, unfortunately. But this was released by AIT, American International Television, on TV directly to TV. What about the the legacy for this film, Miles? Have you seen the new MST3K riff of it? I haven't yet. Ooh. Is, is it good? I I actually like it a good deal. It it does have Jonah taking I like on. Jonah. Yeah. Well, J- Joel was coming back for one episode of this new season, and I kind of wish they'd given this one to Joel because he had done all the other Gamera parodies. So there's like a, a long history there. It was actually one of the first KTMA movies that they, they riffed on. So. But I'm sure Jonah really wanted to do it or or what have you, but they, they do a great job. I've watched it a couple times now, actually, I think. And it is it is very funny. The movie is ridiculous um, and uh, doesn't really have, you know, a lot of an equivalent monster in the Heisei period. Uh, some people think that the Gamma, the brave monster Zetas is a little based on Jiger and there's some similarities in like the the face and, and kind of how it moves, but Zetas is like a lot of things kind of rolled into one and it's its own monster in, in a way. Yeah, let's let's get into the, the rating of this film, yeah. Miles. What what do you think about for, for personal enjoyment? Um, For personal enjoyment, I'm I kind of skewed a little higher than I think I really did. I'm giving it an eight. I think there's some really good monster action. I think the basic story flows along pretty well, even though it does stop. It feels at times and there's no memorable human character at all, to be perfectly honest. Like Hiroshi is probably the only one. Right. And 
Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I enjoy this movie. It, it sounds like I'm super reticent about it, but I I think it's a, a very fun monster mash in terms of like, if you want Gamera versus another monster, you get plenty of that. And I think as far as an entry into the Kaiju cinema archive, I, I think it's a pretty strong entry in terms of like, it's certainly better than a lot of the stuff that we had seen prior, well... Prior to the to the fifth to the, to the sixties, but yeah, th- I, this 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 one I think is, is it's strong. I, I still I still don't think it's 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 on the stronger end of Gamera movies. I think there's ones I've liked more, but it's 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 extremely competent. It's got really fun fight scenes, even though the other aspects of the movie seem to fall flat for the movie. Like the kaiju action is solid enough that i feel like if you just want to throw something on and have a good time you can and that's a really really important aspect of these films yeah this this does feel like some of the the later godzilla movies in that respect for me very easily watched i enjoy this a lot like i said i think it has a lot of great kaiju action i enjoyed the history aspect of it with the the expo the very realistic mm-hmm. expo absolutely i would give this <laughs> well, I was originally going to give it an ad 10, but then I knocked it down because I remembered the horrific elephant worms scene. <laughs> and I was like, oh, this, oh, is, this yeah. is losing a point because of that. But then I did more research while we're doing the research for this film. And that was a prosthetic. That was makeup application to mm. make that bump. So I was like, oh, OK, that wasn't it lo- that fooled me so much because I was like, that looked like, you know, stock footage that looked like news footage that they yeah, like, did splice into the move they, they filmed it for for the film but yeah even noriaka yuasa was <laughs> was surprised <laughs> uh how creepy it was even shown in in black and white that that it it turns my stomach every time i see that but yeah i am bumping it back up because that is a makeup effect to an eight out of ten i was worried I, I don't want elephants hurt in the <laughs> production of a gamera movie so yeah we're both eight out of ten for the technical, I do think I enjoy a lot of Jiger's Sudimation. I think it worked better than Gyron in some way. I think some of the other elements of this movie fall a little flat, including the fact they didn't destroy the expo. And yeah. in general, a lot of the locales that they fought in felt a little cramped, a little small compared to some of the other sets that they've built for these films. This did have a slightly increased budget for some of those technical aspects with which Yuasa fought for but yeah yeah just I, I don't think they use it as well as even the reduced budget in the prior films so yeah for that i'm giving this an eight out of ten very good but it is it's far from perfect in in these films I, I will say i think i like a lot of the technical aspects even better than some of the the past two movies which has surprised even me but what about you miles so I, I ding this a little bit harder on the technical aspect. I think the monster's face is but ugly. <laughs> and I I appreciate that there is more of an effort into the suit. There there does seem to be like it's less cardboard looking than Gyron was. <laughs> well, I think they went back to that original production company that had done virus and gauss and, and things like that. They 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 went with a a different company for Gyron. Well, and... I mean, Gauss is kind of cardboardy too. Um, <laughs> that neck. <laughs> but yeah, there, there's a lot of technical aspects about this. The, the script, I think, there's no characters in this movie. There are there are people who represent 
like what what the character's supposed to be to move the plot along. Mm. Which I mean, I understand that how these movies work, but like it's a bummer because like I think that there there could have been a lot to do with these kids, especially in in the expo. Like you have an opportunity to talk about the optimism of the expo, which is briefly touched on in a kind of like here's an advertisement way, but there you could have had a way about what this means to humanity and then use the expo while also destroying it, but also the expo could have been used as a means to help Gamera fight the monster. Oh yeah. There are, there are so many things they could have done. And this isn't just me doing a what if I think, I think the actual story is fine. I, I like the idea of like the, the statue becoming the whistle, but that's all neat. But <laughs> there, there are, I think, I think the script is extremely flat and kind of forgettable. I think that this movie really, really leans on the fact that there's some fun kaiju fights and that there's a, there's an expo. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's it. I mean, the, the, the actors are fine. They're, 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 they're called to do what they're, they're supposed to do, but they're not called to do much. And the script is just extremely by the numbers. And so while it's extremely competent, I can't, I can't rate it any higher than a seven. Okay. Well, it's, it's not terrible. It's still very good in yeah, all it, our I mean, scales. It's, a, it's a certainly a competent movie. Yeah. But I can see how even in my opinion, with less of a budget, they they were able to achieve a little bit more in the last couple of of films. Right. And I think part of that is a time constraint. The fact, the fact that Virus is the one that I'm hinging on, and that has the worst looking monster, <laughs> but yeah. it has the best characters. <laughs> For the evocative nature, I, I, I think this film forms along with the last two movies really the core of the the showa era a lot of people put versus gauss in that that corner that feels like a that feels different that feels like a part of the original first three movies whereas these next three all kind of feel like the the mass-produced you know super similar maybe it's because they all have those two boy leads but right this this feel i do feel like this movie gets passed over a lot maybe four versus Virus, but I think it's very representative still of what Yuasa was known for the, the kid friendly kaiju friend of two old children. So, no, while not the, the most evocative, not the best of the series, still up there. So, I gave this a, another seven no, first seven out of ten for, for, for this one. What about you, Miles? Well, I did give it another seven. I, I agree. I think this is. Uh, certainly in line with what the franchise has been doing, doesn't do anything extremely spectacularly interesting past that, but it does help continue this, you know, friend of all children aspect of Gamera. I mean, and it's, it's, it's a perfectly fine movie. I think any era, I, I think all three of the last ones that we've watched are pretty indicative of what Gamera stands for as a piece of pop culture. And so, you know, even though I, I kind of look at this movie and even Gyron because I complained about the kids in the last one. Mm-hmm. They they still kind of evoke what a Gamera movie is supposed to be, I feel like, or, or what the intention of a Gamera movie is. And again, it's an extremely watchable movie. It's very fun. It kind of gets lumped into the Showa era. And so for its evocative nature, I, I, I still rank it above, you know, just baseline good. Yeah. Um, not not my go-to, but certainly a perfectly competent gamer film. 
Yes, yes. Uh, we all know what my go-to is. My perfect gamma movie of the show is versus Gyron, but this is still pretty good. Our final score then, I give it basically an 8, you basically a 7, and it brings it down to a 7 for the podcast total, which is, just double-checking here, the the lowest or tied for lowest Gamera film next to versus Baragon, which we gave similar scores or the exact same scores, I think, for, for that. Yeah, movie. I'm, I'm fine with that. That it sounds right to me. So, yeah, that's going to do it for us here. Check out all of our scores on Letterboxd at, you know, on our Kaiju versus History Letterboxd. Talk to us on Twitter and I, I thank everyone for that has reached out to us there at Kaiju versus History. Maybe I should mention that <laughs> we had uh, Jared on on Twitter reach out and made sure Miles that we knew about the WB produced animated musical starring King Kong called The Mighty Kong and I I let him know that it's already on our list. <laughs> Thanks Jared. <laughs> <laughs> Email us at kaijuversushistory@gmail.com and feel free to uh rate review our show where you find podcasts and tell your friends. What is a cooking up next time, Miles? So next time we're going to find out what happens when Toho tries a new tact with another island adventure of all new kaiju and aliens from outer space. That's right. Next time, tune in for history versus space amoeba. Amoeba.